Welcome back to another episode of Backlash Podcast. I'm Jeff with Team Rhino Outdoors. And if you want to check out my company, visit TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. Co-hosts today are Brad and Kerry Hoppy with Musky Mayhem Tackle. And if you want to check out their company, visit MuskyMayhemTackle.com. Our guest today is going to be Steve Herbeck. If you want to know a little bit more about Steve, background story, a little bit more about the Eagle Lake stuff, you can go visit, I don't know, I'm guessing it's probably 12 episodes back or so. I'm not positive. I think we did it somewhere in April, May-ish, but time goes by so fast I don't really know. And today we're going to talk more about September muskies, kind of what happened with this summer, because this summer got screwed up, as I'm sure many people had their summer screwed up. And so that's kind of the deal we're going to do with this episode. So Brad and Carrie, how are you guys doing today? It's been a little while since we've been able to do a podcast together. I keep screwing things up schedule-wise. It's been uh, it's been interesting the last couple of weeks. We're doing great, Jeff. Um, glad to be back. And, uh, you know, things are busy at this time of the year, that's for sure. So I've been on the water a bunch. Carrie's been digging it out here in her office as well as building baits. So I don't know. We've just been busy. That's been kind of the theme of the whole season. Yes. I mean, I don't, I don't want anywhere along the lines to sound like we're complaining because we're certainly not. It could be far, far worse. But it's been a little bit rough this year. I won't. De- I won't say that. I mean, or I won't deny that. It's been. It's been hard to keep up. Busy is good, and um, you know, like I said, I've been doing some. I've actually been doing some fishing the last little while. I got out to northern Wisconsin for two days this past week, and uh, it was. It was tough. I would say the fishing's still tough. Water temperatures. I mean, I th- I thought we were done talking hot water temperatures, and apparently we're not done with that yet because you know water temperatures were. Upper 70s, 75, 76, 77 seemed like the, since we had that cool down the previous week, the fish kind of were firing off then and they've kind of gotten a little bit more sluggish. It also seemed like there was a, you know, more of a late evening night bite probably going on. We managed to get a really nice one, got a couple small ones overall, saw some fish, but it was typical. You know, every trip I've been on lately this year seems like it's just yeah, you got to grind 12, 13, 14 hours on the water for us to catch fish. Sounds like you've been doing a little better than us, huh, Brad? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've had a pretty consistent bite. It's been good. So I can't complain whatsoever. But, uh, you know, it isn't that uh, we're not working hard at it either. So that, that's all part of musky fishing, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, like I said, it's... It's been crazy. It's been a crazy year in many, many ways. I'm I'm hopeful that, you know, today is Friday, I don't know, August 27th, 28th, whatever Friday would be. And it looks like we're finally going to get another cold front. I think it's, you know, mid to upper 60s for highs this weekend. So I really do think that's going to, this should be the springboard. I'm hoping to, to really get things going now for a little while, get us out of this funk that we've been in probably for, I don't know, for some of us, it's been a while, eight weeks or more in some cases. Right. You know, it's, it's crazy, Jeff. I think uh, a couple episodes ago, we basically said, Hey, I think we're free and clear. We're not going to deal with that hot water anymore. And last weekend I ended up dealing with it again. I basically had to pull the pin. So I don't know. It's been challenging that way as well, but uh, we finally got a little bit of wind going again here in my area. We've had rain almost every day. And so things have cooled back down again. We're 75, 76 degrees surface temp. 
so pretty comfortable with that. But, uh, man, you know, it's been hot, that's for sure. Absolutely. Well, do you guys have anything new on the uh, musky mayhem front to talk about? Well, you know, Jeff, the neat thing is I'm sure people have seen it. We've had, uh, I don't know, a a small handful of people throwing a prototype bait that we've uh, been working on throughout this whole season. And the good news is it's about to be released. So I think as of this podcast, um, it should be released. So it's the new trigger. It's basically a seven and a nine combo blade. The nine is a magnum blade. But there's some key components to this bait that kind of make it unique. And can we know about those key components that make it unique? (laughs) Basically, there is a a steel piece that's under our clevises that definitely creates a whole different friction and noise in the water. This was developed by Danny Herbick. He had been experimenting with a couple things a few years ago, and I think we alluded that uh, Danny was involved in this prototype originally. And so it definitely has uh, put a ton of fish in the boat this season, and uh, we're pretty excited to bring it out. Otherwise, you know, it's it's a little bit smaller bait than our traditional, like, say, cowgirl size bait. It's, it's basically like a double showgirl sized anyway. But the unique blade combo as well as this, basically, I don't know, for a lack of a better way to explain it, a noisemaker below the clevises, it definitely uh, has a unique sound in the water and a unique sound that the muskies love to chow on. So I'm excited to have this thing out, and I think uh, people are going to be pretty blown away with the results of what this bait has been doing. Awesome. So hopefully, I mean, that's perfect timing, I guess, for people now in September, they can pick this bait up and, and get out and give it a, give it a good test run yet this, this year. I mean, that's always good to get new, new baits going at this time of year. Just gives people a kind of re, rejuvenates them a little bit sometimes. Yeah, hands down. You know, it's one of those things where we've always tried to release baits mid-August time frame kind of build some hype before we go into the show season. I don't know if we'll have that this year, but either way, it's uh, it's a bait that's too good to not be released, and there's been a bunch of big fish caught on it, and the neat stuff that uh, comes with that is hopefully everybody out there can start catching some big fish on it. All right, so, Kerry, your turn. What, uh, what colors are we going to be able to get this bait in? Sounds like something that uh, some anglers are definitely going to want to be getting this fall. We have we have eight standard colors that we're going to come out with. It's black nickel, black chartreuse with the classic fluorescent chartreuse blade, uh, purple brass. We have a gold orange with a brass and an orange blade. The classic black orange with the, the fluorescent orange blade. Our copper rainbow, our pater, and then our wicked witch. Sounds awesome. And I'm, I mean, I'm sure that there'll be many retailers that'll pick it up. I know that, yeah, I would assume as soon as you guys can start shipping them, Team Rhino Outdoors will have them. Otherwise, I'm guessing maybe by the time we, re- by this time this podcast comes out, it'll be available on muskymayhemtackle.com. Is that right? Yep. Yep. All right. Well, I mean, that's fun news. We got, uh, it's always good to talk about new baits. It seems like this year has been a little bit uh, sluggish on that kind of, that, that front. So, um. I guess I don't know nothing new on the on the TRO stand front. We've been uh, you know 
we've been re replenishing lots of stock I and mean, we've been trying to get stuff as often as possible. So shipping and receiving department's been very busy. So if you're looking for stuff on the website, check it out. Otherwise, um, how about you guys, if we don't have anything else to add to it, how about we get Herbeck on the phone? Let's do it. All right, our guest today is Steve Herbeck. Steve is typically guiding out of Andy Myers Lodge, as many of you would that listen to the podcast weekly would know. We had Herbie on, I'm thinking it wasn't really that long ago, probably just before the season started. I think it was just before you were ready to hit the road to Canada. And obviously, um, things have changed a little bit, Herbie. So before we get too far into, you know, the the meat and potatoes of the episode, why don't we talk a little bit about how your season's gone so far? Because I'm thinking this has been pretty much anything but ordinary. I think maybe you should oh, shed some light sure. on how that's going. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, uh, the constant, uh, you know, deadlines of when they might open the border was very frustrating for me because, I mean, like, it's been 29 years I've been on Eagle from, you know, May to November. So, you know, I, I haven't really uh, bounced around back in my old stomping grounds in Wisconsin and stuff like that for that long because I was always gone for the whole season. And uh, so, you know, we just kind of held on with the hope that uh, the uh, borders would open, the, the, the rises in the COVID cases would go down and the borders would open. But every single month, end of the month, when the deadlines would come up, it would just be another, another disappointment and another holdback. So, you know, I was just basically putzing around around here, uh, relearning some of the stuff, uh, just getting out fishing. I didn't want to book a lot of stuff because uh, – if I got everybody all booked up and then the border would open, well, then I'd be right back to canceling people and stuff like that. So when uh, I finally uh, decided in July that it just wasn't going to happen, I could see the cards were, that it just wasn't going to happen. I, you know, went and uh, got a surgery done that uh, I'd been putting off a triple hernia surgery that I was going to do late in the fall when I got back from Canada. But, uh, I ended up getting it done in July, and now I'm good moving forward. And so I booked up some stuff now in the end of August. I had a, a 10 days uh, or so a week ago, and uh, and I'm looking forward to book. I got some stuff booked up for September and October, November, uh, you know, fishing the Madison chain, the Wisconsin River, Lake Wisconsin. I'm going to do a few stints on Green Bay, and I got a couple guys that want me to come up for three, four days since up to my old stomping grounds up in Vilas County. So it'll be kind of like the gypsy old days again. It'll be fun, you know, but, uh, again, you know, my, my heart's on Eagle, the boys up there, uh, Danny and Trevin and some of the boys that are getting out, uh, first time in 70, 80 years, these fish haven't been seeing a lot of baits and the reports are they're not seeing any more fish than normal, but the big fish are just playing dumber. <laughs> and, uh, Oh my God, it's got to be like out of heaven, you know? Well, the neat thing is, Herbie, uh, you know, next year could be completely crazy if you get to go back over the border. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking, what I'm thinking is it'll be sometime shortly after the first of the year. They'll give it a big try. You know, uh, <clears throat> that's the indications that we got. They'll get through the holidays and the big push of everybody traveling. And then after that, they'll give it a test run when when travel is a little bit slower and stuff like that and kind of ease into it is, uh, is hopefully what we're planning sometime between 
January and March is when they'll give it a good shot, you know. And, of course, it's all what happens here in the United States, you know. Absolutely. So, Steve, do you have openings yet this fall for people that are looking to get out with you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got a few. I got a few uh, uh, mid to uh, end of October. I got a stretch there, uh, uh, 11th to the 13th, and the 17th to the 24th. I got a few days open. I'm sorry, guys, but I'm taking the last week of October, first week of November, and I'm going to hunt my butt off. I haven't been able to do that in 30 years, bow hunting, and I am really really looking forward to it i got a couple pictures of big bucks and shortly after that i'll 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 guide again until rifle season and then uh depending upon the weather i'll go into december but right now i i uh you know i'm just going to do september and october and the first half of november so we'll see what the weather's like and what the what the fire in my belly's telling me and uh and uh, we'll go from there but yeah people can get a hold of me and i'll give them my dates that i have available and and uh, we've had a ball so far. Uh, like I said, it's been fun fishing the stuff I haven't fished in 30 years and reliving the old memories and uh, seeing how it's changed. And, and it definitely has, you know. And, and I'll be honest with you, man. I mean, it's very surprising. You know, southern Wisconsin, the Madison chain, uh, you know, they, the, the, the Muskie Zinc guys putting in them leachers that are now getting the there's some fish showing up that are 52 and 53 inches in this year. I mean, to be quite honest, right here in southern Wisconsin, it very well could be a, 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 a reduced kind of malax of the years ago, you know, for a short period. Um, I really think that the the the, uh, the uh, chances that fish over uh, 48 to 53 inches in the Madison chain, the Wisconsin River, Lake Wisconsin, you know, and some of the stuff like that is actually probably better right now than northern Wisconsin as far as numbers of big fish that are being caught. And, and then you got Green Bay close by that's been a little up and down this year, but it's showing signs of really, really kicking in uh, in the last week or two. So I'm kind of anxious to get over that over there and check that out for a few days with some guys that, that want to go wait around it with me. So. Yeah, it's been a, it's going to be a, a season of diversity for me. I guess I I could uh, best describe it: diversity and uh, exploring again, and uh, and that's always fun for a guy's soul. You know, I mean, even though Eagle Lake is so great, so wonderful, there's something about doing it every day for 30 years that breaking away from it for a little bit brings you back next year. It's going to be fully recharged and and rejuvenated, and uh, you're going to be like a young kid again. You know. I've had a chance to get out on that Madison chain, you know, quite a bit with Jeff Hansen. And, and quite honestly, like you said, it's one of the probably the best fisheries we have in the state. Aside from, you know, maybe Green Bay, it's got size of fish, numbers of fish. Well, especially now in the last two, three, year, four years. When these, I mean, there was always a few good fish, you know, but now, I mean, there's legitimate shots at, at some big, big, big fish, man. There was a 53 and a quarter caught. Uh, right during that cool down last uh, week, week before last there, and uh, a couple other high 40s. I know Jeff got a 52 a while back. Um, so, I mean, uh, there's fish you don't even hear about, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, it, it, you're right. It, it, it's, it's a bulging fishery, and um, yeah, there's pressure there and stuff like that, but if you work around it and 
change your hours a little bit. Uh, you know, you can get by with that, you know. And the best fishing's coming. That chain, that chain we'll be talking about going into September, I guess, and stuff like that. That that chain really, really wakes up to turnover. Um, so, uh, and then when you do hit turnover, you got the Wisconsin River and stuff like that that doesn't isn't affected by it. So there's a good transition in this area, and the river, the Wisconsin River, has produced numbers of 50-inch fish this year. So, I mean, I know of at least 15, 20 myself of you know that i've seen and heard about so you know i mean that you know when you talk about numbers of 50 inch fish in wisconsin you know that's and it's not the great lakes that's those are those are pretty good numbers because there's still some people keeping their mouth shut too you know yeah i mean there's like i said it's been it's been incredible i mean that fishery is just becoming an incredible place it's great for guys to get down there and like you said the pressure is there i mean but oddly enough much like those other southern Wisconsin lakes, like Pewaukee, that place gets a lot of pressure. But those fish still bite. It's pretty. It's pretty remarkable how that is. So, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, and I've been very, very fortunate. You know, I got a lot of good friends that are in the industry. You know, uh, like Jeff and some of them other guys, and you know, they've they kind of you know helped me along with a few tips here and there of the changes that occurred since I was here thirty years ago, and was actually the first guide on the Madison chain fishing muskies back in the late mid eighties, you know? So, um, things have changed obviously. And, you know, I got good clients. I fish with every year that live around here that hit me up on a few things to look for and kind of cut the learning curve. I really didn't have uh, the time to, you know, really just go out and, and wait around and find out everything. So, you know, the, the, the circles and the, uh, um, you know, the, the circles you're in and the people that are willing to um, help you like you've helped them over the years is really refreshing. Because a lot of people keep their mouths shut. I've been pretty free on helping people through my whole career and sometimes to the detriment of my success here and there. But, you know, that's just the way I am. And to see people reciprocate and help me along here as I'm going through this journey this year has been, uh, been quite uh, remarkable. Refreshing, I should say. So, Herbie, you know, it is, it's really cool to be able to network with good people, that's for sure, and it definitely makes a huge difference. But I'm yeah. really curious what, uh, what those major changes look like. I mean, I, I want to know what you are experiencing today versus what you did, say, in the late 80s. Well, you know, back in the late 80s, for one thing, it was all tigers. In the, early, in the mid-80s, it was all tigers. There was a few naturals. But only sporadic, short, small stockings on them. It was it was ninety percent tigers. So you know they act a little bit different, uh, especially in that warm water. You know than the uh, than the than the naturals did. We we concentrated a lot more on trolling deeper, whereas these these especially these leechers, where even when the waters are are pushing the high seventies, you know rarely are our baits deeper than twelve fifteen feet. You know. Um, you know, mostly eight to twelve. We did a lot of fishing, looking for spring water. You know, uh, creeks like the creeks coming in, uh, the, the the natural springs in the lakes. Knowing where those were in the summer months, particularly July and August, was very key back in those days. And you know, you know, just with the the, the changes in the weed types as the lake in thirty years, lakes change, they mature. Uh, water quality's changed. 
Um, I would have to say, honestly, the water quality is probably better. Um, the, the, obviously, they're, they're metro lakes, and they, they get the green, you know, in the summer, and they, they get the big weed bloom and stuff like that. But it, I believe the quality of the water is, is better than it was back 30 years ago. So um, I think it's going to clear up real fast. Uh, we're using a lot of really hot colors now because of the green tint stuff like that but uh you know you can still see the fish you know it's, it's not like it's 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 not like only if we would get like a week of 90 degree weather with no wind would you get that stagnant type of stuff on the surface with any type of breeze it's pretty good um but the weed types have changed a lot of the same points and turns and stuff that i fished 30 years ago are still there but in some of the areas the types of weeds have changed and and consequently, the, the degree of how much the fish are using them, and uh, and I still have to see how this changes as we go into September, you know, because this will be all new to me again. September will be all new to me again. But I'm really looking forward to it because, uh, you know, the these naturals and uh, these leachers uh, are apparently are really shallow orientated coming into September. They as we, as we start dropping into the into the low seventies and into into the high sixties, there's a there's a real shallow water, top water, bucktail type of bite, even inside weed line stuff. So that kind of stuff's always fun, explosive stuff, you know, jerk baits, top waters, uh, bucktails, you know, that kind of stuff right up in the skinny stuff. So um, I'm looking forward to that. All right. Well, Herbie, that's a perfect transition. We've talked about on other podcasts with other guests about September. We kind of did it a little bit prematurely. So if somebody wants a different perspective on September, you know, visit our past couple episodes. But anyway, so different people have different takes on September fishing. Now that we're officially in September, then this podcast comes out, it'll be, I think September 2nd, this will be when this one comes out. But anyway, so Herbie, why don't you talk a little bit about what you're looking for in September, baits you're using, kind of what your uh, well, you know, too, it's, it's not September, you know, it's it's not that it's September. It still goes right down to the water temp, and if we still continue with hot water, yeah, the daylight the daylight will get a little shorter, you know, the nights will get a little longer, and it'll still have its effect, but it'll be less dramatic. You know, it's it's all about. The water temperature finally cooling down. We got a cool down coming. We had a cool down a week ago, and we got 90, 95 degrees again. What's going to happen? It all depends on, on the weather and Mother Nature if we actually get into what is what we consider September fishing because we need to get into that lower, that upper 60 water and beyond that down below to really get what we're really looking for. So it's all up to Mother Nature yet. It, the, 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 the photosynthesis, the, the daylight, you know, all that type of stuff does have an effect. But we still got to drop the water temp. That's the, real, that's the real signal to the fish, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, I mean, I, in September, you know, I mean, it, it depends on how, where you're fishing, how your weed growth goes. Like in the Madison chain, there's not a lot of rock bars. There's a few, you know, stuff like that. Back on Eagle and and some of your stuff like that, as we would find, we basically would have two patterns, and that would be, you know, shallow type of weed bites, looking for the the best green weeds. Because up in Canada, you know, the weeds on the big shallow sand flats and stuff that get hit by the wind, 
would start to deteriorate a lot faster than the big, and that's the thin leaf stuff versus the big broad leaf stuff that grows back more in the, in the muddy, mucky bays and shorelines and stuff like that, where that type of stuff is a more sturdy weed and it would hold up longer and, uh, and, it would, and you get them big pods of cabbage. You know, that's the stuff that we would really look for, that and the brown tobacco cabbage uh, up shallow. And that's what the fish would move into. Uh, areas that had the big sand flats that the weeds would deteriorate faster, we'd look for the nearest shallowest rocks nearby. And, uh, but generally, we would be, uh, until the thermocline really started dropping, once we got to 60 degrees, we were basically fishing shallower than deeper. We were working from the surface down. Once we hit 60 degrees and the turnover started, then we would start fishing more from the bottom up to the surface. Is basically my uh, my theory. You know, uh, as the thermocline drops, we fish from the bottom up. As the thermocline sets up, we fish from the surface down. So um, that's basically my gig. Uh, you'll see a lot of times too lakes with big reed beds. As long as you've got uh, fairly decent water levels for the year. A lot of fish will move right out of the weeds that are outside and come right into them reeds, too. I found that on Eagle. I think it's because the perch move in there for some reason uh, pre-turnover there. So um, there's a lot of different patterns that you can wade around and look around. But uh, generally, it's, it's moving in shallower, spinner baits and bucktails and, and uh, buoyant jerk baits and topwaters, especially topwaters, comes from some of the best time of the year other than perhaps uh, mid to late June for, for topwater fishing, you know? I would completely agree with that, uh, Herbie, for sure. And I think, you know, me being a little bit further north and, and a little bit further west here, but usually the last week of August, the first, second week of September is when we see that really, really big transition of a, a solid cold front, which kind of leads us into the fall. And yeah. basically, you know, I... I don't know. Is that going to happen this coming weekend or, you know, this past weekend? Who knows? That's the, that's the weird part. So we have some lows in the 50s at night coming up here shortly for like the next 7, 10 days. And I think that's definitely going to make a change. You, you kind of hinted on it that a couple of weeks ago we had that first initial cold front. And it basically started sending those fish into those fall patterns and boom they got hot again so and then immediately 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 it's like these fish are waiting for it because immediately it was only a short cold front of three to five days and big fish went and the minute the, the water temperature spiked back up they shut down the big fish you know it's so, exactly what we've seen too so it's uh yeah they're waiting i think it'll be I think because of the type of summer we've had from warm water from really early and stuff like that, I, I think that I think it'll be a pretty dramatic uh, bite when it does happen. I think you're going to see probably some of the best fishing of the year. I agree completely. Herbie, what kind of what kind of bait in that this transition time? You know, where it jumps back and forth from summer to fall, summer to fall. What kind of lures are you looking at? using what's your go-to stuff there you, you mean like what i've been using in the last week or two yeah well i've been because because of the so much going on so differently here and there i mean i'm really mixing it up like uh 
like, uh, you know, I'll get up and cast right over the tops of the weeds for a bit. But really, most of the fish have been that I've been having encounters with, and I haven't had any luck on the inside yet. I've been testing it here and there. It's just you get up in there on the inside of the weed line and you're pushing 80, 80 degrees even when it's, or 85 degrees even when it's, when it's decent, you know, 75 to 76, 77, and you're kind of on the edge if you should or not out on the edges, you know. So I've been really mixing it up. I've been throwing a lot of smaller type of crankbaits, uh, stuff that looks like panfish, you know, bluegill coffee type of perchy type of stuff, uh, just tickling the, getting right up over the top of the weed from about 18, 20 feet up and just kicking the edge of it and then bringing it right down the, because these uh, milfoil and, and uh, stuff type weeds have a real sharp, real sharp edge, not a taper like a lot of the cabbage does up in Canada, you know. So uh, you can pick them tops and kind of bust them and come right down the edge and that. And then I got guys throwing blades on, over the top. And, and, and because these weeds are so close to the surface, you know, we've been, I've been using mostly single hook stuff. The new trigger has been real good for me, your new trigger. Um, and then spinner baits. I've been, I've been throwing uh, a spinner bait with a number nine on it to give me a little lift uh, on it, a big thump in that green water. But it's definitely stuff that's got a lot of vibration to it. Like the crankbait's got to seem to have, uh, have to have a lot of vibration and thump to it. you got to see it in the rod tip. Jeff turned me on to those uh, musky train diesels. They've been they've been really good, both casting and trolling. And then uh, and I've been playing around a little bit with some real bright jerk baits. I've been I've been throwing the uh, the big daddy and a fire tiger um, out off the edges parallel, and uh, some point suits up over the top, just popping it and stuff like that. But basically, we're mixing it up, and and some days it's the crankbait, some days it's the blades. I'm just starting. I just started getting some fish on the jerk baits, so uh, we've just been mixing it up. I haven't had a lot of real good luck on top water yet, except uh, real early in the morning. Basically, I've been starting about four, four thirty, and and quitting about noon, one o'clock, just because you know I'm coming off of my chemo treatments and my surgeries and stuff, and that heat just I just don't deal with it real good late in the day, and uh, it it hasn't been productive anyway. So. Um, I've been doing most of the stuff early in the morning, and 90% of the fish have been from the ash crack at dawn till 8 o'clock, so uh, other than trolling. As the water temps start to drop, what are... What, well, no, what it, it won't. No, it, it, has, it hasn't started to drop at all. If anything, like uh, I had to quit Sunday at noon. We went to about 82, 83 uh, at about 1 o'clock on Sunday. I had to quit. I canceled Monday. And all week it's just got hotter, and we haven't had a lot of wind, so I haven't even gone to check the lake because I can't believe it's done anything, but at least stay about the same if not got hotter. Now, now we got you know we got a rain coming in today. Uh, we got some cool cool fronts coming over the weekend. Um, I'm gonna just let it cruise through the weekend and the crowds, and and then I'm gonna start up again uh, next week and uh, take it how it goes you know um I'm, I'm sure that it'll drop fairly quickly but it ain't going to be super fast unless we get a lot of a lot of wind and a lot of rain you know 
So I haven't seen the water temperatures do anything but stay where they shouldn't be this last week anyway. Down here, you know? Right. I and guess, that, that's been the case. That's been the case up here, too. I'm just curious, yeah. though, like, hypothetically, now when the water temperatures do start to drop, how do you change your arsenal of baits? Or do you change your arsenal of baits? I won't, I won't change up, I won't change up a lot until I see the fish telling me what I should be switching to because I'll be mixing it up enough that they'll tell me what's dominant and it doesn't take you long to start digging for what's dominant if somebody's catching fish on something, (laughs) you know? So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I'm I'm still going to keep it mixed up, uh, between blades and Top water, crank baits, and some jerk baits, and mix it up. Uh, still, the color, the water color ain't gonna change. So I'm still basically where I'm fishing is either brown water or green water. So I'll be throwing a lot of brighter colors and and stuff like that. So I'm not gonna really change the color pattern too much, but I'm just gonna wait for the fish to tell me what's happening and keep things mixed up. I'm not gonna try and force them to eat something. I'm gonna throw a little bit of everything and let them tell me what they want, you know? Yeah, for sure, Herbie. I think one of the other things that happens, too, as we get these initial cooldowns and we're watching that water temp drop is that speed can be a triggering factor. And a lot of times I know our fish over on this direction kind of shallow up. And as they get shallower, uh, a lot of times it takes a smaller bait, maybe a smaller bait just because we – we can't handle fishing those big giant baits really, really fast. But speed becomes a big factor, I would say, also as we finally get those first uh, big-time water crops, if you will. Well, I think, too, I think, too, I think fish's attitudes change um, when they're real shallow and versus when it's real deep or when the fish are off the break and deep because I think they, they have to react quicker. They have to react quicker if things get away from them quicker, whereas when they're down below something, they, they're nothing can get away from them. You know what I mean? When they got open expanses and they, they can see it or feel it, and they, there's nothing can get away from them. But in that shallower, skinnier stuff, particularly in the dirty and darker water, and you're throwing around piers and you're throwing around, you know, uh, weed clumps and stuff in and out, and the, and the water's only three to five, six feet, they gotta, they gotta, they gotta move quicker after stuff or stuff or stuff disappears on them quick. And I think that has a lot to do with what, why the speed works so well when they turn shallow, you know, I, I just think they need to react a lot faster, you know, to, or things get away from them, you know. That makes perfect sense, Herbie. You know, you're talking about going up north as well, besides that Madison area. When you're going up north, how much uh, does things change versus where you were fishing currently? Oh, it'll be totally different, totally different. Uh, I mean, you know, I'll be fishing like I used to 30 years ago. And when I, if I, when I go up to Vitus County, I'm not going to be fishing for numbers. I, I'm going to fish like I did back in the last four or five years when I caught those, all those state champ fish and, and uh, stuff like that. But you got to remember, it was a lot like you guys being out on the latter part of, uh, of the years on the last. I would tell people for the month of November, I may only catch 10 fish in the month of November, but six or seven of them are going to be over 50. And for Wisconsin, Northern Wisconsin, that, that's quite a deal. So you got to determine, are you going to be 
uh, one third of the people that catch a fish in the month or not or two thirds of the people that aren't, you got to be willing to sacrifice that if you're going to fish with me. And that's the way I'm going to fish them. I'm going to pick the big fish waters that you, that, you, that aren't going to catch fish every day. I'm not going to Eagle Chain. I'm not going to go to stuff like that. I'm going to be on the Flambeau Chain. I'm going to be on Presque Isle. I'm going to, you know, be on uh, stuff like that. You know what I mean? The white sand. A lot of, the stuff on the Flambeau Chain is low numbers, but I'm telling you, they're the only place in Wisconsin that up to a few years ago haven't screwed the genetics up. The original Flambeau Chain genetics are in there. And yeah, they spear some fish and there's lower numbers, but there's some giants there because of the, the, the genetic strain has not been diluted by stockings like all the rest of northern Wisconsin has. And it was always some of my favorite water, you know, that and, well, North Twin, I don't believe is what it was back in the day, but it's still a good one. You know, and some of those bigger fish lakes is what I'm going to be concentrating on. And, and I'm just looking for a few big fish when I get up there, not numbers. And that'll be more of the clear, that'll be more of the clear water, you know, that I'm used to with 50 to 80 foot depth, like I'm more like I'm used to in Canada. So I'll be fishing quite a bit similar to, you know, like what I'd be doing up in Canada. The both of those lakes have, they have weeds, they have rock bars, they have center bars, they have deep hard bottomed areas, you know, they got Cisco's and white fish and it'll be much more similar to like what you're fishing in northern Minnesota and when I was fishing in northern Wisconsin, way different than the than the uh, metro lakes and the rivers down here. You know, it's right. still must be so, still must be fishing, but it's different. You know, what's your normal program, Herbie? When would you come home from Eagle if it was a normal year? Uh, about the tenth of November. Okay, about so the tenth of November, you- and I had just enough time to get unpacked and. Uh, and and get and get into the deer stand, you know what I mean. So um, this will be a little bit easier transition for me. I'll have a lot more time to hunt odd days here. I'm only gonna I'm only booking three to four days a week, and I'm gonna hunt three to four days a week. So when I if I if and when I get the bull, which is the nickname of the buck I'm after, and I got two pictures of him last week during daylight daylight hours. If I can get him early then I'm going to be fishing right up through November, you know, into December. So it just depends. I've just been, uh, first time in 30 years I've been able to, to hunt like I used to, you know, because uh, being in Canada, I was fishing every day and wouldn't get back. So I'm really, it's really got a, something in my craw to get out there and hunt like I used to, you know. So I'm, that's kind of priority. It's kind of a year of priorities and doing different things. One of them was getting rid of my cancer and beating that determined to beat that we did and i got my surgery done and i'm still doing some fishing i'm going to do some hunting and i'm going to come back so full of piss and vinegar next year i'm going to be dangerous you're always dangerous herbie that's what i love about you (laughs) you know it's crazy We're, we're coming off a really crazy goofy year obviously i mean everybody knows that but you know, in some ways, it sounds like it's maybe been kind of a good thing, too. You know, it's allowing you to do some stuff that you really are passionate about. And uh, who knows? Maybe you're going to put something together that's special that you can take back up to Eagle next year with you. Oh, for sure. And, and you know, too, in reality, I hated to see what happened for all my colleagues and and Julian and the, all the other camp owners that, you know, that are going through tough times and all the people that work 
for me for years and now works for Julian and I became like family. I hate to see what's happening, but in, in all retrospect and reality, it's the best thing that could have happened for me personally, because I would have pushed it. I would have pushed it. I probably wouldn't have been good for myself because I'm too bullheaded and I probably would have pushed it. I wouldn't have got my surgery done. I wouldn't have, uh, I probably would have skipped some treatments to be up in Canada and then started them up, which wouldn't have been good for me. And, uh, I just think that it, it, was, it was, for me, it was the way God made it for me. And, uh, I think it'll just, uh, be a whole lot better for me for next year. It's a good game plan. So Herbie, the one thing we don't talk about a lot on the podcast is wind and the effects of it, how you read it, how you go about dealing with it, whether flat calm or prefer waves, wind, whatever. Why don't we talk a little bit about that? You know, like let's use September for it. So how does how does wind affect your fishing during the month of September? Well, you know, down here it's gonna be totally different than like what you guys are experiencing up north and what I would be experiencing in Canada. Because down here, um, there's weed cutters. There's still going to be skiers and and pleasure boaters. And the sad thing of it is, is a lot of times until the wind blows for quite a bit of a day or two days, you almost have to fish opposite of what we like to fish because the weeds are all going, floating weeds are all going to where the wind is blowing. So we're kind of forced to the first of, on the first day of a wind shift to fish, you know, um, the lee sides, or you're going to be doing nothing but picking weeds all day and stuff like that. So um, that's a totally different gig down here. When it when it comes when it comes to September fishing shallow, um, I love wind because particularly sometimes in in September, a lot of your lakes tend to be starting to get on their lower side of water of water levels okay only certain years when you have abnormal amounts of rain in august and early september are lakes ever high they're usually starting to go on the downward side in water levels you know as you come into fall and um and uh so anytime that you got wind and you got fish up shallow you create more depth you know and that's when the fish really get up on the inside of weeds when you got a foot or two of wave coming in uh, over a weed line and, and there's a five to 10 foot sand or, or gravel or whatever on the inside of, of a weed line and you put another foot or two and those fish even feel more comfortable roaming and running around in that stuff, I just think it makes everything better and more aggressive fish. There's more oxygen beating up in there on the inside on the shoreline. There's more. There's more water level. There's more chaos going on. There's more bait fish being disorientated from the inside of the weed line coming in there. It just makes for a whole different, better scenario. So I like wind anytime I'm fishing shallow. You know, except maybe real early in the morning, top water fishing, or right in the evening, or something like that. But. For the most part, if I'm running and gunning, throwing blades, stuff like that, and burning blades and stuff like that, I like the wind, you know, if I'm fishing shallow. Now, you know, it's, as far as fishing the rocky points and, and bars and stuff like that, I love the wind. I've always loved the wind. But more and more and more in recent years, 
particularly when you have a cold front that follows a big storm and, and you got the, the colder weather the next day and the wind is blowing and you got some high, you got some patchy clouds and high blue skies. You know, what I found more times than not is that the water temperatures dropped at all, even a couple, three, four degrees, that after that initial big front comes through and you have the big activity level of the fish and then you're going, you're better off to get off to the side of the wind where the wind is slipping down, like where a fish, if you found fish on a big point and the, the day before and you had warmer, cloudy weather and maybe a storm coming in and the fish were just going nuts up there on that point and stuff like that. And the next day you get there, the wind is swung to the north or the northeast or even the east and you got colder wind and you see the water temperatures dropped a couple, three, four degrees, but the wind is now even maybe even blowing harder. Sometimes it does when those, those high pressure uh, stuff starts coming in. You're better off to get out of the wind, like uh, down the side where you see the, where you see the, uh, the bubble lines going. That's actually a current line. And it's kind of like an edge of a current rather than them being right in the current. And they can be up on the edge of the rock and that current is going down, and if they really do want to feed, they can slide out. But they're usually at that point less higher activity level than they were during the beginning of the front. So they're getting more of a, oh, let's wait and see, do I feel like an ambush type of mode. And even so, getting completely out of the wind, where the, where if, if you feel the sunlight feeling warm when you get out of the wind, that's time to tell you if the water temperatures drop to get behind the wind and find the stuff that's cupped behind where they were before, where you got some sand, or you got some shallow rocks and stuff like that, and the sun's beating down on them, and that's where you're going to find, if you're going to find an active fish under those tough conditions, especially in clear water, then, then you are fishing fish that are deep off the breaks under those types. Those, those fish that break deeper off the breaks under those types of conditions are usually very, very difficult. It's the fish that move up to where it's warmer or get out of the wind or down the side of the wind that seem to be a lot easier to catch. So one theory I always hear is um, fish yesterday's wind. Is that something that you apply to your fishing? For sure, for sure. Particularly under the situation that I just talked about. Particularly under the conditions I just talked about. I, I, that, that's kind of yesterday's wind, too, because usually the, the fronts come in, they're westerly. And as they leave, they're north or northeasterly, you know what I'm saying? So you get a 180-degree swing usually. So that's definitely, um, you know, and, and when a lot of people talk about yesterday's wind, um, you know, that, that, that's in areas where you have water moving through, you know what I mean? Anytime, and if you don't have to have rivers, you don't have to have anything like that. And there's nobody that knows more about that type of wind than, than Dick, you know, Pearson. And, uh, but what I found on, uh, on Eagle is that there's, there's really no current generated by anything but wind. And it's all, and it's all connected to narrow areas. The Eagle doesn't really have other than way down south. There's some bunch of islands as you go, as you, as you get down into Osborne that, uh, that generate some of its current, much like the current areas in, uh, Lake Lewood. But other than that, it's, it's watching where the wind is blowing um, through the narrow areas and concentrating on them. And then if the wind dies, 
for sure. That next morning, I'll always fish that spot. But after about three, four hours of it, I don't fish yesterday's wind at all. You know what I mean? I, I think it I think it loses its effectiveness pretty quick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that certainly makes but, a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I can say this. Last year in September, I don't know what it was, but, man, I'll tell you what. We fished in a washing machine pretty much the whole month. We had 30-mile-an-hour winds, and we deal with a lot of wind out here where I'm at. But the one thing that I can say is that it was consistent. It was all from the west-northwest, and the wind was blowing and blowing and blowing. And what I found is a lot of these fish were just really, really scattered, and they kind of buried themselves in some weeds, if you will. And that can be a challenging deal when you have weeks of wind like that. It just, uh, it boat controls out the window. You're basically doing some really good drifting, if you will, you know, with some corrections and things like that. But it makes the world tough. I don't know if you deal with that much, Herbie. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because a light bulb just flashed. Because that's exactly what we had the last half of, uh, September and the first half of October, extreme amounts of wind. And me and Danny picked up on it right away by luck. Actually, Danny actually kind of cued me in on it one day. And uh, for, for about three weeks, we fished almost exclusively out of the wind and did much better for, than, than we did in the wind. The fish were just sick and tired of it. And those fish that you're talking about were buried in the weeds. That's because those weeds were a buffer. I'm sure it just cut the just cut the wind and the current down. You know what I mean? At at that point that we were fishing, we didn't have a lot of weeds left up in Canada, so we were fishing the rock bars out of the wind and the shorelines and the rock bars and, and the points that were out of the wind with way more success than 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 burning up the batteries. People barely being able to stand on the front deck. And uh, and having very little action, and when a fish does come in under those types of conditions, a lot of people, you know, can't handle the proper boat side maneuvers. Or they're more trying to survive. So, getting out of the wind, we found way more active fish, not bunches, just like you said, they were scattered, but they were but they were active. They were when we came across them, they wanted to bite, and you could fish five, six, seven dynamite spots. And not the darn thing that you should have any other time that time of the year. And then all of a sudden, one spot, it had three, four hot fish on it that were flying. And that's what we ran into a lot last year under those windy conditions. Yeah, hands down, Herbie. You know, one of the things that I battle on most of my lakes that I end up fishing is I don't have the structure to hide around, you know. But the one thing I can tell you, I mean, we're just wide open lakes for the most part. But what I can tell you is you can tuck up into some of those shorelines sometimes and get out of that way. And I'll tell you, it's like a massive amount of fish will move into a certain area where it is less windy, especially when you have that wind for weeks. And I think you guys hit it right on the head last year, the way it sounds. But, you know, one of the things, too, that I think becomes a large factor for, for some of these bodies of water is when you have an abundance of bait fish, these fish really kind of become lazy. And so them being lazy and fat and happy, it just, it makes things way, way tougher. And so if they're fat and lazy and they've got feed everywhere that they go, basically they're going to try to hide and get out of that wind. 
They're just like people. They're not in a way you look at them. They're just like people or anything else. If they don't want to work, they don't want to work any harder than they got it. You know what I'm saying? And I think think the Bakers even have a tendency to tuck and hide out even more than the muskies, and that's why the muskies are there too, you know? I mean, the bait fish, they don't want to be disorientated and beat up, and they get, you know, they like to be someplace where they can bunch up, and the guy on the outside is the victim, and the guy, when they're all bunched, when they're all getting beat up by the wind and that, they're more scattered, and everybody's more vulnerable, and everything else, and I think that just goes along with the whole prey-predator relationship deal. Hands down, I would agree completely. Wind is a, as far as getting back to the whole concept of the wind, the wind is a good thing, generally. It's just, and and the wind is still wind when you're getting out of it or when you're getting in it. It's all part of the equation. Wind is still creating that situation. So whether you're talking current, whether you're talking in the wind, sliding the wind, or out of the wind, the wind is still creating the situation. You know, so... Uh, it's uh, one of the probably one of the most, you know, other than water temp and uh, daylight hours are, and the moon phases. It's probably one of the very most important things that I think not everybody analyzes. You know, they just think, well, let's fish that windy point because it looks like the wind is pointing there. They don't really sit and think and analyze about the many other factors that wind can subtly create or not so subtly create. But it's definitely one of the more major things when it comes to, uh, well, any kind of fishing, really. And, and it depends on what kind of equipment you have. If you ain't got a good, big, big equipment with big, powerful trolling motors, you're better off being out, like Doug Johnson used to say, he's better off out of the wind than in the wind because he can fish intelligently so, or more effectively. So it just depends on a lot of different things. But wind does create a lot of different factors that people aren't aware of both limitations and advantages. You know what I'm saying? There was one thing you kind of brought up was, um, you know, you talked about Doug Johnson not being able to fish effectively in the wind. Obviously, wind plays a big big role in uh, boat control. Do you get any, like, tips that you guys can use or that you can offer up for people that are trying to fish, you know, in big wind? Because, obviously, it can be a struggle for a lot of people. Well, personally, myself, I don't like to go against the wind with my trolling motor. I don't like to fight Mother Nature unless it's, unless it's doable. To go into two and three footers stubbornly burning up your batteries and your trolling motor and people in the front of the boat having very, very little control of, of you know, their, their legs and everything else, to me, is pointless. At that point, you're better to get out of the wind. Me, myself, I slip a lot. What I do is, is I'll, I'll, I will just much, much like fishing a river, okay? Vertical jigging jigs for walleye. I'll get upstream of it and I'll use just enough power that the, that I slowly slip with it rather than fighting against it. Or I use I have my boat set up with flash guards and a kicker motor where before I used to always have used nothing but big pillars and I could control any wind situation. Now I got a single console. I still put flash guards on. I got my tiller set up so that I, 
that uh, I can still troll with it using a, a Bluetooth uh, speed control. But when I want to use it just like a big kicker, I can use the tiller the same as I use my big tiller. And I just slip. I just slip with the wind. If the wind is coming into an edge, I let it bring me into however shallow I want to be. And then I zig out to how, as deep as I want to get. And then I let it slowly work me back in. And I can zigzag up and down the brake line from 5 to 35 feet or whatever I want to do. Maybe it's, maybe I'm doing from 8 to 17. or It just depends on the brake. But that way, and, and any time you got the wind at the back of your boat versus at the front of your boat or you're slipping with the wind, you do the front of the boat is not bouncing like when you're going into the front of the boat. So you guys can actually fish effectively and confidently without having to have ski boots stuck on your floor to put your feet into, you know? So that's kind of how I do it. I, I, I prefer to to work with Mother Nature than work against it once it gets to the point where it's just crazy to even do it. You see people stubbornly doing it all day against the wind and it's just it's, it's just pretty soon you're out of power you're you're on the edge of something stupid happening you know somebody falling getting hurt in the boat or messing up a big fish anyway and if it's if none of none of those things can be done then it's time to get out of it i would agree with that herbie there's a couple other things that i've done too and and basically using my kicker where it's basically just in gear but it's just enough to kind of help keep the boat parallel to what I want, you know, on the structure and still using the trolling motor, but I'll use that kicker just as a little bit of extra push. And that definitely can help sometimes if I'm side drifting. A lot of times I'll use a, a drift sock. So it slows the boat down, especially in large, large wind. And you sometimes have to figure out different pieces of structure. If you want to fish a brake line, like you said, let mother nature help you. And basically, you can position that boat where one guy is going to fish a little shallower. The guy in the middle is kind of right on the edge of that break. And the guy in the back, which is me, will fish that deeper water until you kind of put things together. So think about some of the tools that you can actually use. And they're out there. It's just a matter of uh, putting it all together. Right, right. Yeah, I've used my kicker a lot like that, too. But still... You know, then you're, if you got to use your kicker with your trolling motor, you better have young guys with strong legs up in the front of the bow. <laughs> that reminds me of a story when I was fishing the PMTG Championship out, out by you, Brad, and I got to see exactly the kind of wind that you deal with. I think it was day two. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was day two. The wind was just so big and so bad that, uh, much like Herbie just said, I'm up in the front of the boat just doing everything I can just to try to stay in the boat because of how you know, how high up and down you were, you were moving. I mean, the stuff that you deal with out there, Brad, is, it's crazy. You got to deal with some big wind. Yeah, it could be challenging for sure. And it, it's funny, you know, you, you could try to cancel a trip and your clients, well, can't we just troll? Can't we just do this? You know, and it, the problem is, is sometimes like Herbie said, it's just not playing effective, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. Even in those big winds like that, there's always a place that you can go tuck, tuck in and hunker down. But you know, instead of fishing eight hours or 12 hours that day, it might be a four-hour deal because you beat those shots up, and now what do you got left? So, you know, last year, like I said, it was pretty pretty neat for us. We were able to side drift and, and dig a lot of those fish out of the weeds. But, 
you know, it doesn't always work that way. When the fish are on the brake lines and boat control becomes essential, that's when it really gets tough. And you just gotta, you gotta really work at figuring out how your equipment works best for you. Yeah, too, and, and lake choices. You know, I mean, up where you're at, like you said, you don't got a lot of choices, but many parts of the country you do. Like down here, you can always slide through the river. Um, northern Wisconsin, you got 1,500 lakes in a 30-mile circle. You can always find a lake that's got higher banks or lays with the wind differently. You know, like up on Eagle, we got so many places. I've, I've never been able not to fish, even under stuff I shouldn't have. You know what I mean? Because we can find places to get out of the wind that are still productive because there's so many different arms and angles going off and narrows going off in different directions. So, you know, sometimes you just, if you've got a wind forecast, it's, you know, it's, it's better, even though you got a lake that's been hot, you've got a, a wind forecast that you know is going to make it just physically almost impossible to fish. It's, it's just time to suck it up and get onto a different body of water that's you're at least able to fish for that day. That's for sure. I mean, I and I do have a couple of those choices, and believe me, we use them when we need to. That's for sure. Yeah, even if even if you got to drive an hour or two, you know what I mean. It's sometimes it's well worth it. I'll tell you one thing I can tell you about September, okay? And that is, we've been talking about this shallow movement and how exciting it's going to be. And we're going to have all this top water and small bucktail burning type of action. But don't get caught up in that, that that's the only pattern. Okay? Because September is one of the times of extreme movement of muskies, almost as much as right after spawning. They could be anywhere. Okay? This is the time when your thermal climb just starts dropping now. It's starting to break up a little, not break up, it's starting to drop a little bit. The fish sense is coming. You're going to have fish. you got the same amount of fish that, that, are, that are doing other things that are moving up shallow. Because I've, and, or, and, and don't just think it's weed line or inside weed lines and shallow weed type of stuff, even when you got a lake that has a lot of weed. Because I've caught a ton of big fish on shallow rocks in September, at least on Eagle for sure. And, and some lakes in northern Wisconsin, I prefer shallow rock fishing. Um, just because it's easier to fish, you're not snagging up in weeds and float weeds and stuff like that. But it just seems like some really big fish uh, come up up onto these shallow rocks. So mix it up, mix it up. When it comes to trolling in September, I'll tell you one thing that I found back in my days, the last few days and uh, years in northern Wisconsin, when I was catching all them big fish trolling before they, they canceled it. And I said, screw you, and got out of northern Wisconsin. Um, was that it wasn't the same pattern as in summer with my baits up high. You know, like I said, in the summer, I believe in high baits. In the fall, I believe in low baits. But in September, particularly as you get into the middle of September and things start pushing down a little bit, you can't hardly run your baits too deep. I mean, you should have a bait that's up there in the middle, middle of the water column, maybe even one high. But you better have one bouncing bottom, even if you're going over humps that are 25 to 20 feet deep. You should be bouncing one with a poor man's uh, poor man's bottom bouncer in front of it. Or I used to use 13 colors of lead core with a big slammer or a jake, and I could get down down to the. I caught a lot of big fish bouncing bottom 
mid to late September uh, versus up high. So I just think a lot of big fish start, when you start catching walleyes real deep, when you start seeing the guys catching walleyes out on, out on the edge of the rocks and the mud line and stuff like that, that, that tells you that that's time to also run a bait deep. You know, you just got to make sure that when you hook a fish there, that you fight them nice and slow and easy and take your time and they're fine. It's only when you go nuts and you start cranking them like a maniac and stuff like that do you have any trouble bringing fish um, from up the deep. If you just, if you got a lot of line out and you just take it easy with them and back the boat down towards them as you're fighting them and just take it easy, those fish are easy to, are easy to release without any problem. And I caught a lot of big fish bouncing bottom as deep as 32 feet that I was able to release with no problem as long as I kept the guys calm and just had them fight the fish and just let them swim and fight and then and got them up, and then we released them alongside the boat. There was no problem. But believe me, you should have, if you get into mid-September, and you're fishing any lake that has depth, make sure you're bouncing the top of deep bars and stuff with a, with a weighted, with a crankbait with a, with a, with a weight in front of it or using lead core or wire. Always good to get information to get you uh, outside the box, I would say, and there's some good information right there to help guys, you know, think outside the box. It's just the opposite of what we were talking about is what I'm saying. And that just goes to show you where a predominant pattern will be up high, shallow, and burning and top waters and stuff like that. There's still going to be other stuff that can be very, very good and, and, and not being hammered on or something to try if what's supposed to be working isn't. Because they're just not always just not biting. You know what I mean? There's always there's always something that you that, that's happening, and don't be afraid to give up uh, what was working to at least get something else to try, because uh, there's a lot of stuff out there. I also look a lot for inflow, infl- infl- inflowing water come September, especially the latter part of September going into October. Any inflow of water seems to concentrate suckers and stuff like that, and in the case of... Uh, Lakes that got lake trout, uh, stuff like that. They'll, they'll be coming up shallow and stuff into places like that and, and, and sandy, gravelly, uh, bays and stuff like that. So be, be on the lookout for some different stuff. Influx of water. Any, any place you've got a river or a stream coming in, the mouth of that towards the end of September can be dynamite. Uh, there'll be stuff, there'll be stuff doing false type of spawning, fall type of runs you know i don't know what they're actually doing but they seem to bunch up i think i think they're just speeding up with these a lot of times you'll see also lakes that got white bass the white bass will be all piled up facing into the current right at the mouths of rivers just lined up waiting for stuff to come into them sure that's what the suckers and and the catfish and the bullheads and stuff like that are doing they're just fattening up for the winter and and they're, they're bunching up at the river mouth and the muskies will be there right with them in the case of the Great Lakes, it'll be shad. You know, it doesn't matter. Every lake has that type of pattern. Just depends on what the forage is in the lake. You know. So, Herbie, we appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule to talk muskies with us. If somebody's looking to get out with you and your limited dates that you have available yet this fall, how do they go about doing that? Uh, just give me a call. You can message me on my Facebook. Uh, give me a call at six zero eight five one five. Three four one six, 
my email is herbeck, H-E-R-B-E-C-K dot cj at yahoo.com or you can just message me off of Facebook. And even if you don't want to book, uh, book a trip, if you just want to talk fishing, if you're going someplace with some of the places we talked about or I have any info on, I'd be glad to help you. I always like to talk fishing in my boring life here that I got not being in Canada. So don't be afraid to, to give me a call. I'll be glad to help you out any way I can. Um, I always like to talk fishing. Maybe we can even get out or something, you know. Who knows? Just give me a call. I'll be glad to help you out. If you want to book a trip, I'll give you what dates I got. And I'll do everything to make a great trip for you and teach you as much as I can during the course of the day. Well, like I said, Herbie, we really do appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule. Hopefully the water temperatures start dropping soon down there so you can get back out and start chasing some muskies. So hope you have a great fall. I hope everything goes well with your uh, your recovery from your surgeries and things continue to go well for you on your, on your cancer battle. And, again, thanks well, a lot for coming everything's out. Going, everything's going good along those lines. Everything's, everything's going positive. Uh, um, like I said, uh, I've used up quite a few lines over the last 60 years but i think this cat still got one or two left so we're in good shape that's great to hear like i said thanks again hope you have a great fall good luck all right good luck to you guys thanks herbie always always fun yep take care buddy